0: good morning and welcome to worship here at Noblesville First. I am Pastor Nicole. I have the great privilege of serving as the lead pastor here and I am excited to welcome you to worship on this special Sunday, World Communion Sunday. Now World Communion Sunday began in 1933 when a minister serving in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania noticed disconnection and disunity among the churches. And so he invited other local congregations to gather in a service of Christian unity. Here was his goal, that through worship and communion, each congregation would, united in their witness and belief in Jesus, remember how interconnected they are to one another. And so we're grateful for that reminder today. We are also reminded that we are interconnected to those who may be with us for the very first time. If that's you, I say this every Sunday, we are doing cartwheels in the parking lot, you just can't see us. We're that excited that you are here. So please stop by our welcome desk right outside of our worship center. There will be a volunteer uh, ready to share with you how you can get more connected here at Noblesville first. We also want to remind those who worship with us regularly to please log in your attendance on our website. It helps us to stay connected with you all week long. Now with that said, we invite you to stand with us as we share in our call to worship on this World Communion Sunday. Together we gather around God's table from near and far. We are the people of God. Though we differ in language, custom, and tradition, we are sisters and brothers in Christ. For there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. We are one in God's spirit. We are God's redeemed people. Come, let us worship the God of our salvation. Let us remain standing as we share in our hymn of praise. I invite you to share a sign of the Lord's peace with someone around you.
1: Please join together in a call to prayer. Gracious and generous God, you spread a banquet table and make room for all to come. We worship you with grateful praise, together with all your people, here and everywhere, who break bread at your table and who share We celebrate our life together in Christ and offer our love and loyalty to you, O God, source of all goodness through Jesus Christ, who shares our flesh and your Holy Spirit, who prays within us. Amen. Now let's join for a moment of silence and take to God what is on your heart this morning. Then I'll follow with a pastoral prayer followed by the Lord's prayer together. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, and by most Holy Spirit, together, Father, we lift up our friends in Christ this morning, for Edna Brinker having heart surgery October 3rd, for Antonia Glasgow's reconciliation of relationships and her other concerns. We pray, mighty Jesus, for all who need your healing touch, including those who recently had surgery, or dealing with different treatments or situations. We also pray for safety and comfort for all impacted by Hurricane Ian. Many of them are close friends and families. Surround everyone today, every one of your children, with your compassion, Lord. We know that your grace is freely given and divinely shared like sharing the eight pounds and one ounce of pink joy that you knitted together, Lord, a delicate and peaceful newborn given the name of Amelia Christine, September 28. We pray for all the family, including Proud Dad, Ryan Jensen, and Grandma Elaine. We also thank you, Lord, for the eight pounds and 14 ounces of blue joy that you knitted together, in a first newborn son named Henry Ellsworth, September 28, to very proud parents, Sam and Laura, and to loving grandparents, Dan and Julie Swafford. Thank you, Jesus, for these miracles of life, including yours, that was sacrificed on the cross for all of us. Thank you for being creator of all life, for being our mighty rock and patient friend, our loving Father, and our spiritual Master. Show us how we can serve you today, God, starting with the Lord's Prayer that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come
0: We're grateful this morning for a God who listens to our prayers and a God who uses us to serve our church and our community. I want to share a few ways that you can use your gifts and join us in serving this week. The first is through a blood drive. Somebody say drive. Drive. It's happening tomorrow, October 3rd from 2 to 6.30 p.m., Accident victims, premature babies, patients with sickle cell anemia, and other patients who need blood transfusions, like Daxton, who you see on the screen, are counting on people like you to show up. So please sign up at our website, noblesvillefirst.com, and we hope we will see you tomorrow. We also want you to consider getting your Christmas shopping done early. I know it's October 1st, you just put out your pumpkins, but listen to me anyway. We have a gift card fundraiser that helps support many areas of our youth ministry, such as mission trips, outings, family, and youth community outreach projects. So we want to invite you to share in that by donating to this gift card fundraiser. You can pick up an order form at the welcome desk as well as get more information on our website. We also want to invite you as you perhaps are buying things to get rid of some things. We have our own annual United Methodist Women's Rummage Sale which will be happening in just one week. You can bring your things here to the church October 9th through 11th, and shop October 12th through the 14th. There are many ways that you can volunteer and be a part of this fundraiser that raises resources for so many organizations, both within our state and even around the world. To volunteer, you can fill out our connection card this morning. And finally, Noblesville First Kids is bringing back our annual Trunk or Treat. I know you missed it. You were wondering, don't worry, it's coming. Sunday, October 30th, we're looking for trunk hosts to decorate their cars, to hand out candy, and to host activity tables. If you can't attend, you can still support the event by donating non-chocolate candies. If you do have chocolate, you can give that to me. Uh, And you can also (laughs) drop off small toys in the church office. You can find more details on our website, and I know that Allie still has that sign, I like big trunks and I cannot lie, if you like your picture taken. With all of that said, none of these events or ministries would even be possible without your generosity. And that's why we invite you to give today. And you can do that in a couple of different ways. You can give online, you can set up a recurring gift so you can set it and forget it and know that you're making an impact here in our ministry, or you can give as our ushers come forward or mail your gift here to the church. However you choose to give, know that it helps us to live into our mission of making disciples for the transformation of the world. Let us pray for our offertory this morning. God, we give you thanks for the heart of a cheerful giver, those who share out of the abundance that you have given to each of us. We pray that these gifts may be used for the building of your kingdom, for people who need support and care, and most of all, for the glory of your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Let us worship through giving. as we share together in our prayer for understanding and prepare our hearts for God's message to us this morning. God of hope, amid all the concerns in the world around us, we turn to your word. Send your Holy Spirit to still our thoughts and speak your wisdom to us. Amen. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Genesis. And if you are not sure where the book of Genesis is, that's okay. We have Bible study on Thursdays at 7, and I want to personally invite you to come and share and learn with us. No judgment. We are uh, picking up in Genesis chapter 37. We'll begin at verse 5 and then conclude at verse 11. Hear God's word for us today. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of the dream he had had. Then he had another dream, and he told his brothers, Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him, And said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, Noblesville First, you know by now what we do as we prepare for the word. Turn to someone close to you, look at them in the face, smile at them, not your jack-o'-lantern Halloween smile, but your welcoming smile, and repeat after me. Don't pass me any mints. don't write me any notes, it's time for the word, I need the word, you need the word, I can talk to you later, amen. This morning, I'm going to preach from the theme, I can't see it. I can't see it. Speaking of seeing, what do you see when you look at this image? Go ahead. Don't be shy. Shout it out. What do you see? Okay. I just I was I was bragging about you all week at a conference in Leewood, Kansas, telling people I had the brightest and best congregation. Thank you for uh, protecting my reputation. What about this next image? What do you see? An owl. Okay, again, once once again, my reputation is intact. Now, wouldn't it be nice if life and faith were as easy to navigate as a connect-the-dots picture, where the next right step the next right decision, the next right job, ministry, relationship, or move was neatly numbered in sequential order? Wouldn't it be nice if everything perfectly connected and made sense? In fact, I wonder if that's anyone's experience here today. Go ahead and raise your hand if you have lived a life where everything has made sense 100% of the time. Anybody? Well, when I asked this question at home, my five-year-old raised her hand and I told her to put it down because I had to remind her she wanted to wear a bathing suit to church this morning and her life does not make any sense. And the reason why not a single hand is raised is because life and faith looks more like this. Or, if we're really honest this morning, more like this seemingly random scattering of events that don't seem to connect or make sense at all, which leaves us with questions and wonder, how, how does it all connect? Does God have a big picture for our lives? Or are our lives just a disconnected series of happenings with no purpose and no meaning whatsoever? These are the questions that we will wrestle with over the next five weeks as we dream alongside Joseph and discover how his story teaches us about God's dream for our lives, even when the dots aren't connecting and when faith doesn't make any sense. Because that's exactly what's happening when we find Joseph in the 37th chapter of the book of Genesis. We meet a man who thought his life was settled and as sure as a connect-the-dots picture. Joseph was an average 17-year-old child, the 10th in a long line of 12 sons. He was born to an agrarian, patriarchal and patrilineal Hebrew family. Say that three times fast. Agrarian, patriarchal, and patrilineal family. And what this means is that his big picture had been drawn a long time ago. You see, in an agrarian family, he would not have been invited to choose a profession that made his heart sing, but he would have been given a tool, sent out in the field, and told that he was going to join the family business, no questions asked. In a patriarchal family, he would have no decision rights or or influence to change his future, but could only implement the decisions that his older brothers and his father deemed were best. And in a patrilineal family, it didn't matter how much he worked, how much he saved or invested, everything that the family owned would be inherited by who? The firstborn son. This was the picture. These were the dots until Joseph dreams. He dreams. And God gives him a future picture that's nothing like what his brothers, his father, or even he had ever seen before. Then Joseph dreams and the patriarchal, patrilineal, and agrarian expectations that had been drawn over his life were quickly erased. Then Joseph dreams and the predictable was replaced with the possibility that he never saw coming. Because here's the first lesson that we learn from Joseph. Much of what God can and will do in our lives, we will never see coming. We can try plotting it. We can try planning it. We can spend time attempting to predict it if we want to, but we still won't see it coming. Why? Because it won't make sense. Joseph is the 10th of 12 sons. There is no picture where his older brothers and father should be bowing down to him. There's no precedence. There's no playbook. This should simply never happen. But that is both the blessing and the burden of faith. God promises us dreams, but God doesn't promise that they'll make sense. And the reason why is simple. Because God operates with variables that we cannot see. I was reminded of this last week when my children had an e-learning day. Now parents and grandparents whose children are too grown to have ever experienced an e-learning day, I want you to know that you are blessed and highly favored (laughs) because you have not had to personally sit in the seventh circle of hell that is e-learning. I was sitting there with my son attempting to complete some fifth grade math equations and we finally made it down to the last question. But every time we submitted it and we thought we had come up with the answer, an error message would appear letting us know that the answer was incorrect. Now Bonnie, I haven't done fifth grade math since I was in the fifth grade. So I couldn't figure out what we had done wrong. But then I realized that we had missed something. There was a variable in the equation. You remember variables, don't you? That that letter that represents a number whose value you do not know. And so every answer that we came up with was wrong because we didn't know the value of the variable. And you know, I think that this is a lesson not just about e-learning, but about e-living. You see, the power and the possibility of God is not a variable that we can compute. It doesn't fit neatly into our equations, our pictures, or our lives. No, the possibility of God is bigger. It's broader. It's more than we can ask, think, or imagine, and we will never see it coming. The psalm writer says it this way. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I simply cannot comprehend it because God's dreams are so wonderful, so grand, so expansive for each of us that we won't see it coming. And either did Joseph. That's why Joseph ran to his brothers and his father and told them about this dream. Now, some biblical commentators read this and suggest that he had a a braggadocious character, a lack of humility. But I see it a different way. Joseph had just seen an unknown variable, a possibility that he had never seen before, and he was looking for answers. He needed somebody to help him connect the dots, somebody to help him understand what all of this meant. And isn't that our story too? Aren't each of us searching for answers today? Searching for the picture that we cannot see? Searching for the variable that we cannot commute? Searching for that dot that just won't seem to connect. But here's the faith lesson for us today. One of the biggest misconceptions about faith is that it gives us all the answers. The reality is that an honest walk with God will leave you with far more questions than answers. And the reason why is this, because every faith journey comes with seasons of ambiguity. Seasons where God gives us the framework, but no details. Seasons where we pray to God for answers, But all we hear is silence. Seasons where we get great big inspiration, but very little information. Just think about it. Think about the ambiguity at work in this dream. God gave Joseph just enough to stir the pot, but not to clear the air. All God had to do was tell them why this was going to happen, when this was going to happen, reassure them that this was all going to connect in the end. But that's not what God does. No, God just throws out a dream about people bowing down and doesn't fill in the gaps. And God doesn't do it for us either. God doesn't show us this clear picture with all of the dots already connected. But instead gives us dreams without details. And we see this not just in the life of Joseph, not just in our lives, but all throughout Scripture. Remember Noah? God tells Noah, hey, how you doing? I want you to build an ark. Um, a flood is coming. I'll get back to you on details. Right? Right? Remember Moses, God says, hey, Moses, uh, it's time to free my people. Uh, I want you to take the staff. It's going to come in handy. Pharaoh's plagues, details we'll discuss. And and remember Abraham. God tells Abraham, I want you to go up the mountain with your sacrifice. I mean, your son, Isaac. Uh, We're going to talk about it when you get up there. Happy hiking, right? (laughs) What, what, What do we see as the common denominator in each of these stories? That we are on a need to know basis with God. But maybe, maybe God keeps us on this need to know basis, not because God is an instigator, but, but maybe because God is intentional. Maybe God leaves the dots disconnected so that we only get a glimpse here or a dot there. Because if God connects the dots too early, There are many experiences that we would walk away from if we saw all that it really entailed. Isn't that why the job description says other duties as assigned? Because if we really knew all that it entailed, we wouldn't want it. If we really knew how hard relationships were, we wouldn't even date ourselves. If we really knew how hard starting a business was or going back to school or starting a new job, dating again, moving again, joining a church, we would never even attempt it. If we really knew all of the details in God's dream for our lives, we would abandon some of the best things that God intends for us. But here it is. God loves us enough To only give us what we can handle. God's ambiguous with the details not to confuse us, but to protect us. Let me see if I can make this a little more plain. Uh, I've got my keys back here. And I uh, am going to go home after church, praise God. There's a nap in my future. It's not here yet, but I can see it (laughs) in the horizon. And when I plan to leave, I'm not going to give the keys to my 10-year-old, my 9-year-old, or my 5-year-old. If you saw me do that, you should call the police because I have lost my mind. Why? Because it's irresponsible to give them something that they cannot handle. They haven't developed enough to even comprehend the gravity of the responsibility of driving. They could hurt themselves or somebody else. They just aren't ready yet. So I have to love them enough to withhold from them even things they think they want, simply because I love them. And there are times when we think we want answers, when we think we want the clear big picture and how it all connects, but the ambiguity that we feel and experience isn't because God doesn't love us or care. It's because God loves us enough to give us what our faith can handle. To give us dreams without details. And and church, that, that may be where you are as a disciple this morning, but it's also where we are as a congregation. In my long and illustrious tenure of nine weeks, I've seen the glimpses of a God dream here at Noblesville First. I've seen people walk through that door who haven't walked through it since before the pandemic began. I've seen families join with us who said that someone shared a sermon on Facebook or online. I saw 50 people sign up for our first ever Grow and Go Expo last week. And I've had a visitor tell me through tears right there that this is the first church where they ever felt truly welcome. I see the dots. I see the glimpses, but I still don't have all of the answers. I still don't see God's big picture. And you may not be able to either. But I think that's the final lesson that we learned from Joseph today. The real faith doesn't come when the dots are all connected. Real faith comes in the life that we live when we can't see it. Allow me to encourage you this week, if you're one of those people who can't see it, because I was one of them too, until I traveled on Tuesday to Leewood, Kansas, Where I had the privilege of being a presenter at the annual Leadership Institute of the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection. Now Church of the Resurrection, or Church of the Res, as the cool kids call it, has over 25,000 members. Five locations, and they're launching another one this spring. Worship in their main sanctuary that can seat well over 3,500 people is electric. It's transformative, and it is a trip that any Methodist should take in their lifetime. But that's not how it began. I was surprised to learn on a tour that the senior pastor gave that this church of thousands of people Began in a funeral home in 1990. A funeral home with just a handful of people who believed that God had called them to build a church in Leewood, Kansas. And I couldn't see it. I could not see how the largest United Methodist Church in the country starts in a place where people literally come to die. And so finally, a brave pastor from Texas, they're always from Texas, asked the question, how how did you do it? How did you see that possibility in a funeral home? And I'll never forget Pastor Hamilton's response. He said, we we didn't see it. We, We couldn't see it. Only God could see it. And what you are standing in, is what God can do even when we can't see it. And that's my prayer for you today. That's my prayer for our congregation today. That we would walk by faith and not by sight into the dream that God has for us and for our community, even when we can't see it. Won't you pray with me? Dreaming God, we're grateful today that you see what we cannot see. That you have variables at work in each of our lives that we can't add up, we can't compute, but only you can. You have a big picture for each of us. For our children, for our grandchildren, for our neighbors, for our community, for our church and our world. Help us to trust you. Help us to live in the ambiguity. And help us to walk by faith and not by sight. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus the Christ. And all God's dreamers said, Amen. 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 As we come to the table today, I'm reminded that this too is a dream that others could not see. Others could not imagine that there was a God who was so relentlessly in love with his people that he would give his only son that we might be forgiven, that we might know grace and relationship forever. It was that God, Jesus, who gathered disciples, invited them to an upper room, took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and offered it to each of them, saying, this is my body, broken for you and for all. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, Jesus took the cup. He returned thanks for it and gave it to his disciples and said, This is my blood shed for you and for all, for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you show forth my death until I come again. Let us pray. God, we are so grateful today that your big picture, your dream for the church doesn't just include us. No, that would be too small. Your dream includes everyone, every church, every community, every nation, the entire world. And so we're grateful on this World Communion Sunday that we share at this table with all of your people, all of our brothers and sisters in your son, Jesus Christ. May we leave from this spiritual meal equipped to do the work of your kingdom. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Amen. At this time, the table has been set and you are invited to come. If you are able, you may join Bonnie and I here at the center where you will receive communion. If you are someone that needs someone that needs one of us pastors to come to you, we are happy to do that. Just wave your hand and we will make sure to serve you. We want you to know that we are, like all United Methodist churches, an open communion table. And what that means is that you don't have to be a member of this church or any church to come and be served. We only ask that you be open to God's dream, a dream where all people have a place at the table. Let us come now and share in Holy Communion. to leave this place I'm reminded of an an attendee rather from our 830 service who after communion whispered to me and I'm five years old too she wanted me to know that that story of a five year old spoke to her and she saw herself in the larger message that may have been the only thing she heard who knows (laughs) but here's what I know for sure that each of us have a place within God's dream, within God's dream for this congregation and for our community. And we can't even see it right now. But that doesn't mean that God can't see it and that God can't see the role that each of us will play in making it a reality. So it is my prayer that you would keep moving forward by faith. We can't see it, but God can. May we leave with that assurance in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
2: Amen.